Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 16. Only you can prevent forest fires. Well, these words from Smokey the Bear are really the longest-running public service advertising campaign in the history of the United States, designed to help remind people about the danger of forest fires and wildfires and how a little spark can lead to massive destruction in just about every year in different parts of the country will be reminded about the danger of these fires. And while some of these things can happen naturally and maybe are a part of just God's work in creation or signs of the curse, we also will see some of these fires started through somebody not being careful. And this fire will come and cause all kinds of destruction. Now, what is Smokey the Bear? Instead of just telling us only you can present prevent forest fires, what if instead he said, well, because some fires are bad and very destructive, we're going to outlaw fires. There are no more fires allowed in the United States for anything. Well, that would be bad because while some fires are very destructive, other fires have great use. Fires cook things. Fires warm things. Fires can be used to uh, just create uh, the energy needed for f- factories and machines to work. There are all kinds of good use for fire. Well, we saw in our last reading that we need to flee sexual immorality uh, because sexual immorality is a uniquely destructive sin, even because of its relationship to our bodies, which are now uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit. But there's a possible overreaction to that. Similar to fires, if, if instead of, well, some fires are bad, so instead of be careful, well, all fires are outlawed. You could say, hey, flee sexual immorality. And because sexual immorality is so destructive, no sex. We're, we're just going to outlaw sexual activity of any kind. Well, that would be an overreaction because there is a place where God has designed for sex to be, and that is in the context of marriage. And we're going to see more about that here in the first part of 1 Corinthians 7. It says in verse 1, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, and then again you see quotes saying, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And they're putting those quotes in there uh, because it's like Paul is responding to something that the Corinthians are saying. He's hearing that in their church, they're saying it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But Paul is going to say, well, not not exactly. You, you do need to flee sexual immorality, but verse two, because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. That there is a place where God encourages sexual relations, and that's within marriage. And that 
healthy relationship within marriage can help protect people from temptations to sexual immorality. Verse 3, the husband shall give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the wife does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And then here is a command of scripture, an imperative in God's word. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. So there it's saying, husband and wife, do not deprive one another of sexual relations. So we would see that the normal course of events, really, according to this chapter and putting it together with the last chapter is, hey, if you are not married to someone... It is a sin to have sexual relations with each other. If you are married to each other, it is a sin to not have sexual relations with each other. Uh, Do not deprive one another, it says, giving an exception for a limited time for the purpose of prayer. But even then, you're exhorted to come together again And then the purpose at the end, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So there we see God making it clear that no, sexual relations has a role to play in the marriage relationship and only in the marriage relationship. But within the marriage relationship, it plays an important function, one of which is protecting people from the temptation to sexual immorality. And even you can see this presented in a pretty straightforward way that might even make you blush as you read it if you go back to Proverbs 5, where the father exhorts his son to drink water from his own cistern, to pursue satisfaction from his wife and not from anyone else. So you see this important instruction here in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 7. So if you are married, listen to what this passage is saying and obey it for your own good and for the protection of your spouse. And please don't ever use this passage as a club to manipulate your spouse or to guilt them into uh, physical intimacy. That That is not the way you're going to want to apply this passage. I would encourage you, go look at all of the passages on marriage. And if you're saying, ah, I wish there was more of this in my own marriage, pursue marriage God's way. Seek to be the kind of husband or the kind of wife that God is calling you to be. And according to that instruction, pursue your spouse. Take it on yourself to pursue them in a way that will lead to this kind of healthy, protective intimacy. And I think we need to learn that here from the beginning of 1 Corinthians 7. Now, Paul then speaks to other people, um, including people like him who are not married. Now, verse 6, he says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this. In verse 7, he says, I wish that all were as I myself am. What does he mean by that? Well, not married is what he means. And he says, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of 
another. And so if you're ever wondering, if you've ever heard the phrase, the gift of singleness, and you've asked the question, where, where does where does that come from? Is that like something that was made up? Is that a marketing campaign? No, it comes from what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 7, 7. He's talking about a gift and he's talking about the gift of singleness, the gift of not being married. And he thinks that there's some advantages to not being married. And we'll get more to that in the rest of chapter 17 in tomorrow's reading. But he says in verse eight, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So part of this gift of singleness is the ability to have self-control, the ability to say, hey, no marriage means no sexual relations. And I'm okay with that. I'm not burning with passion in that. I have self-control in that. That's part of this gift of singleness. And Paul's saying, if you're not okay with that, you should pursue marriage. Uh, And he'll get more though to why does he think of singleness as such a positive thing? Uh, He'll get to that in the next part of uh, 1 Corinthians 7. And that's a good reminder. Paul was single. Jesus was single. Uh, Singles are not inferior to those who are married. Paul even says that there are advantages to that, but he also makes it clear, don't intentionally pursue singleness if uh, you're not ready with the self-control to not burn with passion. God's plan for that would be to pursue marriage. And then he goes in to talk to those who are married. And he talks a lot really in ways that are connected to divorce. And we see how divorce is not in God's ideal plan. That is not the way marriage is supposed to be. Because here he says the wife should not separate from her husband. And even if she does, she should not remarry. And that the husband should not divorce his wife. And then he talks to those who are married in a relationship where one spouse is a believer and the other spouse is an unbeliever. And he says, God would want you or the the best thing to do would be to stay together if your spouse is willing. Don't divorce them just because they are not a believer. And it says why in verse 14, for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are Holy. Now, does that mean that if you're a Christian and you're married to a non-Christian, that they magically become a Christian just because they're married to you or your kids are Christian because they're your kids? No, that's not what it's saying. But there is a way that they are sanctified. You are a sanctifying influence in their life. And I think of 1 Peter 3, where it talks about wives who are obedient and submissive, they may win their husband without a word. And I think in that context is speaking of even some of those husbands getting saved because of the example of their wife. And likewise, the kids, parents have a sanctifying influence on their children. And even one believing parent can have a great effect on their children. So do not seek to separate 
in that situation. But then it gives an exception. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. That if you are a believer married to an an unbeliever and that unbeliever chooses to leave, you are not enslaved. And while divorce obviously is not the design for marriage, it's one man, one woman for life, Um, There are situations, I think, we see in Scripture where uh, that covenant is broken. And obviously, death is one of those things. If your spouse dies, I think it's very clear you you are then free from that marriage covenant and even free to pursue being remarried. But also the other biblical exceptions I see to that are sexual immorality and uh, the separation of an unbelieving spouse. That in those circumstances, either the offended party with sexual immorality or the believer is not enslaved then to that marriage covenant, but are free from it. And this is one of the verses that we would get that idea from. But we see here still the high place that God puts on marriage. And we think of uh, what Jesus says, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Uh, that Divorce is so common in our culture, but that is not the way that God's word would have it B, that is the result of cultural decay and rebellion against God. God uh, has a high value on marriage and the covenant that is there. And there are few and rare exceptions, one of which that we see here. So let us pursue for godly marriages. Unless you are single saying, you know, I, I don't need that. Paul has some advantages and we'll get to more of that tomorrow. But for those of you that are married, I hope this passage encourages you to pursue a healthy marriage and even to continually pursue the right kind of godly intimacy that he would want for you in that marriage. May we flee from sexual immorality but may we run towards a healthy intimacy within marriage. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.